So the faculty of Panya wisdom or discernment. This is a prime quality, as I say, suggesting that Indriya are are faculties that we already have but need to be developed as a basic set as a human being. And so Banya wisdom is the ability to discern, to step back, to review. You know, is this, what's this, what's this, what's this? Check it out. And to distinguish the differences, to weigh things up in terms of cause and effect, you know, to look at things, to develop it by broadening the span so we don't look just at immediate effects but long-term effects. This is so important for spiritual development because sometimes the immediate things we immediately are doing are rather difficult and challenging, physically painful, psychologically strenuous. But the long-term effects are one grows resilient, strong, capable, one sees things one hadn't seen before, one grows larger, grander, more uh, relinquishes more. So this makes it worthwhile. But of course, as we all know, in the short term, there's certainly some discomfort and challenges. But wisdom is the long-term, looking at things long-term, because often short-term happiness <coughs> is not for our welfare. Drink, drugs, immediate boost, excitement are indeed pleasurable in the, in the immediacy, but long-term either not very good results or actually distinctly harmful results. So wisdom has this quality. When you lengthen it, it's assessment. You lengthen the time span. Uh, there's the Dueda Vitaka Sutta in the twofold thought in the Majima where the Buddha says when he was an aspirant, a bodhisattva, he looked at his thoughts in two ways. Which are the thoughts that lead to um, my uh, cruelty, ill will, sensual, uh, sensuality, and which are the thoughts that lead away from it? Which are the thoughts that lead to my welfare, the welfare of another, and to onto Nibbana? So just assessing which are the thoughts, what are the inclinations, what are the attitudes, what are the mental trends that lead to my welfare, the welfare of others, and to nibbana, relinquishment, letting go, peace. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a good, good thing to bear in mind, that little phrase, my welfare, the welfare of others, nibbana, all three, not just my welfare, but the welfare of others. Not just others' welfare, but my welfare. Not just mine and others' welfare, but leading to nibbana. This is for a contemplative, because there's things that may have immediately seen immediately for my welfare. If they're not for the welfare of others, there's something unwholesome about it <clears throat> or, un- or limited. It doesn't lead to relinquishment. It leads to self-aggrandizement, gratification. Why the, faculty, uh, the quality of generosity and sharing is so important. You know, if we have gains, we share them out for other people's welfare. Morality, integrity is so important. Concern for how my behavior affects others. In Bhikkhu life, you take this down to very refined details in terms of 
the right time to speak, modes of respect, you know, trying to follow the conventions and systems so one isn't, you know, somebody who's trying to keep the whole thing together doesn't have to do a lot of footwork running around. Yeah, so, you know, which indeed means that we sacrifice our individual freedom for the welfare of the harmony of the group. This is something that, you know, we all cultivate and uh, I respect that in all of us. So, the welfare of others, and leads to Nibbana because it's some, somehow there's a giving up or relinquishment of gratification, of irritation, of self-view. The me, 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 me. You know, how is this? As the Arahants, uh, Anuradha and his friends said, why should I not do what is for the, for the benefit of my companions? We are of one mind. This is the way the Arahant thinks. But at the same time, it's what's conducive to Nibbana. So he's not kind of going around continually fussing over them and this, that and the other. You know, it's, it's uh, what, is, what are the, how can I support the peace of mind, the uh, energies, the samadhi of my friends collectedness of my friends how can I help them relinquish their hindrances strengthen their enlightenment faculties so it's a it's a friendship based upon that which is mutually inclining to realization to Nibbana you keep considering thinking watching your actions naturally our actions you know, it's in this body, isn't it? This body and this brain and this thinking and these feelings, all me. You know, what I'm feeling, what my body is, it's my problem. You know, so we get very me about it all. And then in the community life, you're learning to get a sense of just sharing. You know, not just get lost in your own thing. And this is for one's welfare, to, to get too embroiled in your own stuff, not to have concern for others, doesn't give you the edge of detachment, a perspective. That's the point of it. You know, for our welfare, I want to see myself in perspective, not just get stuck in myself. Wisdom, then it's around our conventional behavior, morality, even refined conventions like, you know, moving around quietly so other people's meditation is is not disturbed as quietly as possible, you know, following the routine so we can all begin things together on time so other people aren't waiting or whatever. These kind of small points, but yet you build them up and it gives a certain tone 
to the day and to the group. When the group is in tune with this, then there's a particular atmosphere that's conducive to everybody. We just pick up the tune and you start, everybody starts to flow along with it. It creates a sense of simplicity, straightforwardness, peacefulness. Yeah. And if it's doing their own thing, it's going to be pretty rambling, isn't it? So that's the point of it. It's not some kind of conformist trip or controlling trip. It's uh, for all our welfare and personal relinquishing. And really notice, you know, that you have to follow it through, give it consideration. Uh, Notice if it is for your welfare. Notice what is being relinquished. Take it through. Because you can just follow obediently, which is, yeah, commendable, but following through, relinquishing and looking that you have, you know, something has been resulted from that. So, as you know, maybe we're responsibilities. I was at this uh, English Sangha Trust meeting in the middle of the retreat, which uh, means an intense um, saturation in all kinds of details that don't match up to my where I originally configured uh, bhikkhu life. <laughs> you know, just watch your breath, they said. <laughs> Follow the rules, they said. And then you're dealing with things like uh, oh, auditors' accounts and uh, just listening, you know, after I can't figure it myself. But I'm there really to offer moral support to the lay directors, some feeling of, you know, you're not there on your own, I'm appreciating what you're doing and I'm, I'm tuning into this. So all these things and deficits and kind of issues goes on five hours of this. It's the end of it. Brain debt, almost at the end of it. So, you know, in some ways the energy is used up. Uh, mind is saturated with thoughts and ideas, worries and concerns. I could get really quite niggly about that, I guess. I didn't come here to do all this. <laughs> but then I'm thinking, you know, that when I knew this was coming, I thought, well, what would it be like to say, oh, sorry, I'm not coming, I'm on retreat. No, no, I couldn't do that. I mean, all these people... They've all driven down here, done it voluntarily, given their services, driven this way to come down here to do it, and I can't turn up? Oh, I can't do that. They're doing all this to support the Sangha and concern for the monastery, and the abbot doesn't even turn up? I can't do that. It's just not right. It's not proper. It's not no integrity. I mean, these are my friends. These are the people who are helping me. You can't just... Say, well, too busy, <laughs> you know, being peaceful. So you turn up, you know, and then you realize people are trying to give support and offer advice. And you know, okay, I want to be with that intention. I can't follow the details, but I can follow the intention. That's my intention too. So then you find a place where your mind can actually, you know, get the point of it and rest in a sense of. You know, following the intention, the integrity of that. And yeah, it's uncomfortable and, you know, fussy and 
confusing and emotionally not satisfying <laughs> and tiring. But then, you know, you get the, you come back at it in the end of it, you think, what was my intention? Uh, am I trying to be a corporate executive? No. Am I looking for a pay rise? No. Am I looking to be promoted? No. Am I looking to control everything? No. I'm just done an offer. And then giving up, relinquishing. And the mind feels quite clear. You know, some ways tired, but heart feels clear. Just think, imagine what it would have been like if I hadn't done that. Manipulative, regretful, you know, people wonder what's going on, they're confused. Oh no, glad I did that. In the long term. And then you just process the feeling tone, you know, the emotional tone, which can be so prevalent. It's just an emotion, just the feeling. You know, I've been through this one so many times. And just step back, sit in the body, rest in the body, quiet down, breathing in, breathing out, feeling the body, just let it dissolve. For the welfare of the Sangha, so bhikkhus and nuns, people want to train, lay people can come here and feel things are well ordered, and that's my my privilege. It's uh, it's quite ennobling, you know, these positions actually, when you get over the the stinginess in the mind. <laughs> but wisdom is like like that. It's really asking you to come up to to scratch. Not to be childish, cheap, small. Wisdom is goes with everything. Wisdom is there to balance out our faith so that we're not just blindly starry-eyed. But we have an open mind, we take things in, we bear things in mind, what's useful, we take that in and we work with that. What we can't understand or don't find useful now, we set that to one side and say, well, I'll come back to that later. What can I use? So if you can't use it right now, ponder it, consider it, okay, put it to one side. You don't have to kind of force yourself to, or fight with it. Just know that's something else. Work with the bit you can. And uh, so it's important to balance faith out with the, the discernment, to be open, but uh, also um, investigate. Wisdom is also there in terms of energy, the right kind of efforts to make, how to apply effort, realizing energy is a factor. If it doesn't come into the meditation, it goes somewhere else. If it doesn't come into behind the Dhamma, it's coming somewhere else. Uh, leaks out. So then in meditation, we're getting a very 
direct and pocket pocket sized you know thing this is body energizing putting energy into the body how to get it to sit how to hold it up breathing how to stay awake how to stay clear how to calm when it's restless and over energized widening breathing feeling the spinal axis grounding yourself down through the spine of the floor opening the body deepening and slowing the breathing down relaxing the face or the power muscles tensions in the body you know, so so that's that's careful application of energy it's not brutal but it, it's something you want to continually be tuning into in meditation in general the wisdom works with energy in terms of assessing what's useful or good now pick it up stay with that what's unuseful useless or directly harmful now put that aside push it away yeah that's the general standard for effort in terms of meditation it comes down to what do you what are you doing that you don't need to do future past self other you know speculations what you, what is just not using energy wisely relax that what is important to bring energy into posture body the meditation object gathering yourself into that this will establish mindfulness what's a suitable object for mindfulness what grounds you something you can manage and bear in mind body impermanence change kindness wise reflection so there's a whole kind of range of it you can bear in mind and generally you move between two or three I would think or mix them together the wisdom in in application of mindfulness is uh, sampajanya referring things to awareness so rather than to our assumptions our preferences biases subjective opinions referring things to awareness so the unpleasant referring to this is what the unpleasant feels like rather than this shouldn't be happening something wrong with me something wrong with this what's it like just being aware of feeling as it is mind is is tired or grumpy mind is bright and busy mind is active mind is inactive this is a mind doing what they do aware of that rather than my mind is this way it shouldn't be that way I've got a terrible mind it's overwhelmed it's corrupt everything I everything I think and say is absolutely right clear you know, no, it's just the mind. Even if it's right, it's not that important. So you don't take a stand on the mental objects, but fundamentally keep referring it to what's it like to be aware of unskillful dhammas, 
arising in the mind. How can you, just that, letting that awareness of them remove the ground for their, what they're based upon. They're based upon perception. Perceptions that give rise to gratification, greed, uh, desires, perceptions that give rise to irritation, things that other people have done wrong, things that I've done wrong, irritated, grumpy, resentful. Things like this, you just contemplate. Without those perceptions, these unskillful energies can't sustain themselves. They're sustained by these perceptions of you know, the things we could have or should have or would like to have or the terrible things we've done or other people have done or pains we've felt or rights and wrongs. You know, which in meditation, it's just, yeah, you know. You could have kind of worked that out on another level. Meditation, just referring it to awareness of that because here's the place to clean out the residues clean out that stuff rather than just have it sitting there for year after year after year still fantasizing still resenting still grudging still when you know it's just you know this is a place where these things can be cleared you feel the feeling the pain of it the pleasure of it for what it is as you feel it just relaxing into your body so use the body as a place where your awareness can be uncontracted not spinning steady stabilized it lets it go it doesn't hold it Sangha life is very important to do this for, you know, for decades, living in these communities. And, uh, by and large, seem to be uh, majority non-arahants. And, not, and uh, myself, not always behaving in a completely blameless or non-reactive way. There's a lot of stuff there wounds and regrets and okay you know so where does it stop Awareness is the fundamental receptivity of the mind and habitually that's coloured. We're aware of something as meaning this. We're aware of something as feeling that. We're aware of something as reminds us of this. We're aware of something we classify as that. We name it. Hmm. What's it like to put pause on the naming process, the classifying process, and just come down to the feeling of it? 
and then sustaining attention in your body because the body also feels that in the physical feeling, the steadiness, the breathing in and out, calm, affect the mental feeling. It cleans it. You're left then with a state of a cleans out the feeling. The physical somatic feeling can clean out the mental one. So where samadhi is so helpful. Samadhi and uh, metta, Brahma-vihara, considered the two, two fundamental places of cleaning the past. And samadhi is important. How you develop it through cultivating mindfulness, And the ongoing factors of mindfulness and, and full awareness, or sampajanya, are in this process of vitaka, bringing something to mind, placing your mind, which you could see the establishing the mindfulness. Vitaka, be mindful of this. You lose it, be mindful, come back again. Vichara, feeling it, assessing it, contemplating it, pondering it thinking about it or not thinking about it but definitely handling it so vitaka is the placing like the finger placing vichara is like the, the palm of the hand holding it, feeling it, rolling it around what's this like so those two factors are the wisdom uh, how we develop wisdom in meditation direct for samadhi If you're just retucking, if you're just kind of placing your mind on something all the time, it gets tiring. And you sometimes you, you've got to figure out whether you're placing on the right object. The mind isn't picking it up. Is there some, you know, perhaps your mind isn't clear enough or it's, it's not interested. So bringing your mind to a meditation object that you can manage. You know, four elements, postures of the body, Breathing in and out, or space, openness, whatever. For something you can definitely recognize and get, get back to, get back to again. That's this meditation, the very word it means to repeat, to do it again, to do it again, do it again. Wisdom is active. So you shouldn't try to be still. But stillness will arise the more often you hit the right mark and the mind settles. So you put your mind in and you assess, you feel, how's that? How is it, you know, specifically, how is the meditation object? Is it soft, calm, bright, sharp? Yeah. What's the result in the mind? Is the mind resting in there? Is it picking it up? What's required? So you just keep that cultivation. It's quite active. And the results are that you will gradually clear off the dross of the hindrances, fundamentally the over-energized, restless desire states and the under-energized sloth, dullness and torpor. You, know, you clear it off. So then one becomes confident. The mind is still as bright. And then you contemplate the results. You know, Part of it is, is with the wisdom for my welfare, long-term welfare, is it really 
doing it? Do you come? Are you able to appreciate either the good results of your practice? Yeah, I'm a little more patient, a little more persistent than I was. A little more able to handle my emotions or less reactive to it than I was. Moments more calm, less frightened or anxious. You assess the results and gratitude. Appreciation for your own practice, gratitude for the support that anywhere, you know, that's offered from the any of your teachers or your friends or their community. And so it's a full full rounding it out then you get the result feeling confident feeling warm hearted feeling yeah this is good without it you know you can even do the right thing we don't quite pick the plum and taste it it's important to get that final bit there really appreciating you know over years you know Keep it up. This is how we develop this faculty of assessment, discernment. And the wise about discernment itself is that this is a indriya. It's not a self. There's no wise people here. Um, it's just wisdom. So you feel yourself getting a little bit up, you know, got it all sorted. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> there's no wise people. Just, there's just wisdom faculty and that openness and that engagement of it. And then, then it's, it's, uh, it's free. It's free. And that's what you want. You want the wisdom to be free, not mine. It's free. Everybody can share it. Everybody has it. Just trying to be part of this whole process of reminding, reminding ourselves, encouraging ourselves, encouraging the mind. This is the wisdom is the primary factor for the only factor that clears ignorance. And ignorance is fundamentally the only fundamental problem. The rest of it will pass if you keep attacking working against ignorance. And this is the faculty of, of wisdom. <laughs>